Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Hi, this is Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and I'm excited about what I think may be the next big thing in anti-inflammatory supplements, a brand new all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. Black for Health Liquid Extract from Future Farm Botanicals. Black for Health combines four plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black cumin seed, and black peppercorn containing high levels of body-ready healing botanicals. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, and weight management, circulation, and immunity. It's a tasty supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information, order order. Call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuture. Farm, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Telecine Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We're talking about uh, how to forestall the aging process. The book is Harnessing the Nine Hallmarks of Aging to Live Your Healthiest Life. Our guest, the author, Greg McPherson, he's a pharmacist, and he comes to us from Auckland, New Zealand. McPherson has uh, used his entrepreneurial spirit to develop solutions to this new paradigm of aging, which is described in his book. He's launched something called SRW Laboratories. It's a science and research-based company that curates the latest biotechnology research to formulate natural products designed to help slow the onset of aging disease. So he is uh, obviously a consultant to the nutritional supplement industry. And um, we're going to talk about some of those hallmarks of aging. Uh, a lot has been mentioned about uh, growth hormone as some sort of uh, magical elixir to forestall aging. You know, quite popular, uh, oh, maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. It was all the rage because it could make you look awesome, put on muscle mass, uh, lose fat. Uh, but um, was uh, growth hormone sort of the Dorian Gray of the anti-aging movement? You know, the you know the tale of Dorian Gray. I mean, he looked great in the mirror, but he was sort of rotting from the inside. Mm, yeah, I, I'm I'm not, certainly not convinced on on growth hormone, and um, and you know, it's it's interesting. We we take these paths, and we 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 find um, perhaps uh, potential. Uh, you know, holy grail of, of anti-aging and, and everybody leaps on board and and you know it, and certainly um, it, it's a, an interesting molecule and, and it does great things and we've got plenty of it when we're young um, but uh, it, it wasn't the holy grail unfortunately it came with a bunch of side effects and, and challenges so um, whilst it's still used um, it's just got to be used very carefully um, and um, but it's certainly something I would be slightly cautious of, of, of using because um, actually, you point out to you point to studies in your book which suggest that uh, some people who have low levels of growth hormone have greater longevity mm. potential. And we do see that with animal research: is that uh, pygmy mice who are who never produced any growth hormone, little teensy tiny mice, uh, well, uh, they live longer than normal mice. Yeah, absolutely, and there are groups of, uh, of of humans that have got a particular mutation, which means that they don't produce as much human growth hormone, and so these people end up with uh, being short of stature, 
um, but a, a significantly um, enhanced lifespan. Um, they don't appear to get some of the diseases we associate with, with older age. And so these people are, are fortunate enough to um, very, very often live into their hundreds and beyond, um, even becoming super centenarians um, with relative ease. It's, these are people that live over 110. 110, the new teenager, if you will. It, it sounds um, so a little counterintuitive, know, though, you know, because you would think that something that regenerates organs and, you know, makes your muscles bigger could be anti-aging. But uh, I guess what it what happens is that it puts your cells into overdrive. And uh, in your book, you point out that there's something called the Hayflick limit, uh, which means mm. that your cells can repl replicate only a certain number of times. Uh, and then it's game over. So you don't want to push that yeah. replication cycle too hard. That's exactly right. It, um, you know, every time we uh, you know, encourage a, a cell to divide, its, um, its telomeres are getting shorter. It's getting closer to, the, to its, its reproductive limit. And, and we know that it's not good for you. We know uh, people who have uh, shorter telomeres um, have earlier health you know, get the diseases of old age much much earlier and it's associated with a, I guess a, a higher mortality um, so uh, certainly we don't want to trigger that and, and the, the human growth growth hormone it, it suits us when we're young um, because that's it, really what when we need it but uh, as we get older quite possibly it's triggering elements of uh, our biology that we just don't want to have and we perhaps don't have uh, the right um, molecules to, to, to balance things out. Um, which, which is what really causes the problem. You also touch on uh, stem cells. And you know, again, that, that's another anti-aging uh, strategy. People are going to mm -hmm. enormous lengths to uh, sometimes uh, traveling to uh, far-flung clinics to get uh, stem cell injections to rejuvenate themselves. Uh, but in the book, you focus more on strategies that encourage our own uh, latent stem cells uh, to be more viable and to be available for organ replacement and repair, right? Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, I'm quite excited about stem cell therapies. I think there's, uh, there's a long way to go with that uh, particular um, uh, side of, of medicine. But, uh, you know, you're better off um, if to look after your own stem cell banks, if you will, and, and have a strategy for that. Um, your stem cells are really um, there to support and refresh your body um, as, as and when the, when it's needed. Um, so there, you know you have banks of neural stem cells, you've got bank of uh, banks of uh, blood stem cells in, in your bone marrow, etc. And uh, they're, they're just absolutely fundamental to uh, us living a, a long life. So you know looking after them, um, which is really part of a wider body strategy of just um, lowering oxidative stress, lowering inflammation, watching and uh, and looking after our immunosenescence, which I think uh, Jeffrey Bland would have, would have talked about, um, is a key strategy to, um, to again, just, just keep everything in balance and, and make sure that that, that bank that we've got is, um, is as healthy and as functioning as well as possible. And so stem cell fatigue is specifically one of the, uh, the hallmarks of aging. And um, it really relates to um, those stem cell populations um, running out of juice, if you will, running out and, um, and just not being available to the body to refresh and give the body new, new and fresh cells. And uh, once they've reached their hay flip limit, that's it. And they, they hang around. Um, they do, they become senescent cells, which are cells that are, are essentially useful when we're young because they tell um, certain parts of our body to stop replicating. And that could be because the cells 
got slightly cancerous or it might mm-hmm. be part of a scar tissue reaction that you need to stop. But right, as we, we get older... Right, we infinite uh, replication of cells. I mean, because that would be no. uh, promoting uh, all the uh, mutations to uh, ultimately result in, in endless rep- uh, replication of those cancer cells. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so you talk a lot about uh, what are called senolytics. And, you know, we mentioned uh, a couple that are applicable uh, NAD, NAD support, you know, with things like uh, nicotinamide riboside, um, the two HOBA compounds that you get from Himalayan tartary buckwheat. Uh, it, metformin has been talked up as a, a natural longevity enhancer. And, and it does seem to have some anti-cancer effects, certainly, you know, blood sugar regulating effects. Uh, what's your take on, uh, you know, using metformin, even if you're not diabetic, to extend longevity? I know that uh, researchers at my uh, uh, alma mater, Albert Einstein College of Medicine, Dr. Uh, uh, Doc Barzilay, is doing research on uh, using metformin in, in non-diabetic individuals to see if it extends life. Yeah, I'm a strong proponent of that um, that particular molecule, Ron. I think uh, it acts on a number of levels, and, and it just the, uh, the evidence is, is is pretty compelling that um, it, it helps with anti-cancer. It helps with um, just regulating metabolism. It's an AMPK activator, um, which has a number of benefits for our cells. Um, it, it, um, it triggers a number of cascades, which which um, support healthy levels of autophagy. Um, and, um, and and just as part of, a, I guess, a, tools, a toolkit that we've got now, which helps us remove um, these senescent cells from our body. Um, senescent cells and senolytics are a huge topic um, of research or a huge area of research right now. I think uh, in a mouse model, at least, um, there's, they've seen 30% increase in uh, lifespan in mice. Um, right now, there are clinical trials happening in all parts of the world, seeing if that, uh, that, that, that effect is replicated in the human animal. And um, I, I can't see why it won't be. And it may not be 30% life extension, but it'll be part of the uh, wider toolkit that we use um, in future generations to lower the burden of these senescent cells on our body. And, and for those that don't know that the burden associated with the senescent cells essentially is that these are cells that are, are like your, the, the neighbors you don't want. They're noisy, they're toxic, they're just a pain in the, in the, in the proverbial and they pollute the cells around them, which has quite significant um, negative health effects on the, on the function of those cells. So if we can um, reduce that and reduce the burden of inflammation that's associated with it, then we, we, uh, we have, a, a, again, another step that we can do in a, in a, in a series of steps which, which give us the opportunity to, to lower, lower the burden of these cells and inflammation on our body. And, and that's where uh, the term uh, autophagy comes in that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really important uh, stream of thought in anti-aging research is about encouraging uh, autophagy, and, I, and I'll spell it for people because it's kind of weird. It's like auto, like A-U-T-O, and then phagy, P-H-A-G-Y. And translate, I think, is from the Greek. It means eating yourself. Eating yourself. What's that about? Yeah. <laughs> it's, eating yourself is, is good housekeeping. So, uh, you know, we all get cells that are um, you know, in proteins that are not working as well as they could. 
um, we've just we've got these senescent cells that build up, and um, and 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 we need to clear them out. So we need to get rid of them. And so this this process of autophagy is is a completely natural process where the body senses parts of the cells that are uh, not working so well, um, or entire cells that aren't that just need to be removed. And and we and this potentially is where we're going wrong with our Western diet, um, because we we essentially. Uh, keeping our body in, in the fed state, which is a, uh, a, a which is not what we want to do, and, and it comes to this little switch that we were talking about before, Ron, um, offline, and it's mTOR, and uh, mTOR is this uh, almost like grandfather um, switch that we've got in all of our cells that senses where we're at with with the food and nutrient intake we've got. And if we've got food, it switches on and it uh, tells the body to assimilate those nutrients and uh, do something positive with them and build muscle and store fat, those sorts of things. Um, and, and what we're doing right now with our, our diet and our snacking and overload is actually keeping that switch on. Mm-hmm. And this is anti-autophagy. Uh, it's not so good. So what we really need to do is is uh, have you know consider this as part of our healthy aging strategy, and go right. How do we inhibit the switch? And what that when we do that, then we 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 trigger cascades that support autophagy and the clearance of these cells, um, and and the clearance of the um, you know the proteins etc that perhaps aren't working so well. And the beautiful thing is once we've cleared them all out, we then we. Uh, fire up the mTOR again by having some food, then um, everything gets rebuilt um, fresh and shiny. And then, again, huge impact on our health. And we have strong clues um, that mTOR is important in regulating aging and the effect of autophagy on aging through a molecule called rapamycin, which I'm I'm sure you're aware of and Mm -hmm. probably I don't need to go into What I didn't know is that it's an antibiotic that was discovered in the soil of Easter Island. Wow. Mm -hmm. Interesting fact. Yeah, it's a, yeah it, it, but it's, that's how a lot of these antibiotics were discovered is, you know, just by an, analyzing soil samples and seeing if they played out against certain uh, fungal organisms or bacterial organisms. But, uh, you know, it's not something that, you know, you're not going to get a sore throat and say, hey, I'd like some rapamycin. It's kind of an obscure <laughs> antibiotic, right? Well, well, yeah, absolutely. In fact, it does the opposite. It's, it's used to um, suppress immunity for people with um, using having an organ transplant. So it's, um, it's, really, it's also referred to as that's that's how I know yes. it better. Yeah, 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 that's the one. So it's um, and, and so you know it affects this molecular switch. It inhibits something called this mTOR switch. And so um, what and it's been. Um, I guess a slow journey to understanding its effect on aging, but um, what uh, what researchers have understood now is there's two types of mTOR, mTOR one and mTOR two, and if you if you if you have intermittent dosing of uh, of of rapamycin, so taking it once a week, um, it, it uh, affects just the the, the relevant um, switch. And I've just lost which one it is right now, whether it's one or two. But um, when you when you have it once once a week or every Every other week, um, then you interfere with the uh, the good mTOR, and turning that off um, essentially um, uh, triggers the cascades, which trigger autophagy. And it's it's a very um, a very interesting molecule because it's really the first molecule that people have, without with absolutely um, unequivocally unequivocally um, discovered affects the aging process and so um, you know the researchers have found anything from 30 to 60 percent life extension Ooh. and there was a very 
yeah, very famous mouse out there that, um, you know, these mice only, you know, they live, um, as it what, three years around about, but, uh, which is, you know, if we put them to human terms, it's just say it's 90, but they got this mouse to the equivalent age of 140 oh. in human years. So it's remarkable. Um, and there's just a lot of research going into that just to understand it. Um, but we, we can all access the effect of rapamycin right now by, um, by fasting occasionally, yeah. Yeah. Which, um, which d- does uh, in a non, pharmaceutical way um, what um, rapamycin does it inhibits mTOR and um, triggers all these healthy healthy uh, benefits that we get from that molecule uh, short of fasting you know because for you know, for some people you know you know that's part of their lifestyle and you know they're okay with the uh, discomfort and deprivation that fasting represents but uh, is caloric restriction uh, a possible uh, less uh, draconian way of, of stimulating your, uh, your pathways and, and inducing autophagy. Uh, Absolutely. I, I, not, not just caloric. Did I say caloric restriction? I meant time-restricted feeding, TRF. I'm getting oh. my initials confused. You know, <laughs> CR is just yeah. eating caloric restriction. It's just eating less, you know, which is, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, not, not that much fun. But what one no. can do is one can play around with meal timing. Yeah, the, 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 that's absolutely correct. And the, the, you know, if you think about what our body does when food uh, turns up in the stomach, is it triggers a whole bunch of senses which trigger the body, body's response to food. So insulin gets produced and various other molecules fire up so that we can integrate that nutrition and, and use that food. And, and we need, and, and that's a good thing, obviously, because that's, that's what we need. But, um, if you're always in that state, then you, you're, um, you're always going to be, um, triggering your body to simulate food. And so when you uh, time restrict your eating, you're actually giving yourself uh, and your body space to flip into the fasting state, and that triggers the inhibition of mTOR, which then triggers the cascade, which um, looks at the body and goes, hey, we, we don't need this particular cell right now. It's not working optimally, so we'll get rid of it. And and then um, when the food turns up, we rebuild it and rebuild it in the, way it, in the manner it should be. So... The, the, this is, I guess, fundamentally the the, um, the, the, the benefit and the reason that um, fasting is, is useful to us. And there's a really interesting chap called Volta Longo. I'm not sure if you've oh, spoken yes. with him, Ron. We've uh, yeah. interviewed him in the past. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy who's into CR and actually uh, yes. believes it could be a good adjunct to, to cancer therapy. Yes, yeah, he's, he's a, a, a proponent and has developed a fasting mimicking diet, which is super smart, and it's a way for us to have a longer fast, um, but calorie-restricted because of uh, the food that he suggests um, tricks the body into thinking it is fasting because it's just not giving it quite enough calories. And so the, the, uh, the various nutrient-sensing networks uh, just get a little confused and, and um, put you into full-on fasting mode, which is a survival ancient survival circuit because there were would have been periods back in the uh, you know many many moons ago where um, you might go without food for five days and have to cope with that and the body needs to um, adapt and um and, and flip on these uh, circuits just to make sure that you get through there and because it you know it knew that food was coming at some point um so you know he's that and, that, and along with uh, doing his fasting um along with cancer therapy, um, seems to be a double hit, which um, drops the cancer of um, nutrients that it needs, and it's a, it's a double hit effect, and um, prognosis look very good. Okay, so, uh, you know, on the one hand, you know, we talk about uh, caloric restriction, uh, but 
from your book, I get the sense that you're not the biggest fan of uh, a high animal protein diet, uh, you know, such as the, uh, you know, keto diet uh, for optimizing health, you know, that's uh, laden with uh, protein uh, and fat, but is dramatically restricted in carbohydrates. Uh, What's your take on that? Yeah, I think there's an absolute place for the keto diet and the uh, keto movement. I think it's been extremely useful for a lot of people to shed some pounds and I think um, perhaps um, get back to uh, you know the ability to have uh, a, bit of, a bit of metabolic, um, what's the word for it, uh, is freedom and adaptability, if you will. But um, I, I, my, my sense is that it's uh, for long-term putting your cells onto, into a significant um level of stress which um which i think long term is not particularly good for us and so i probably will get a bit of criticism around that but uh, yeah i mean it's I, controversial I, but you know stake yeah, your, it is. stake your your, yeah. your view uh, yeah um so so where i'm landed and i've been a meat eater my entire life um and it, even the concept of not eating meat was um was foreign to me but uh we've 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 adapted our diet um, in, in the last couple of years um, to uh, a, a plant-based diet, and that's not to say that I don't um, break the rules and have, enjoy a steak from time to time. But it just all evidence suggests um, that uh, we we do better and live longer on a plant-based diet. Um, and, I, and I think that personally, it's a win for the planet because uh, there's less impact on the planet with a plant-based diet. Um, but ultimately. Um, if you, you look at the evidence, it's showing that uh, that particular type of diet is, is useful for us. And uh, I still don't think that you go crazy on carbohydrates. I think it's really, um, you certainly, um, bread and sugars, um, you know, minimize those. But certainly um, a, a focus on plant is, is not so bad. And, um, and the discovery of, 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 of some stunning uh vegetarian cookbooks and all of a sudden um, the food gets interesting and away we go. We don't really need to have meat. Okay. Uh, well, in the remaining moments that we have, I'm going to do a little bit of a lightning round with you and mention uh, certain nutrients that you touch upon in the book and maybe you can comment on what role they may play. Uh, astragalus, you mentioned in the book. Yeah, this is a, a herb uh, comes out of China, astragalus. Um and it, it, it's a, it, it, it has an effect on activating telomerase, and telomerase is a particular enzyme which um, supports healthy and longer telomeres. Um, you don't want to activate too much of it because, um, you know, the, the shortening telomeres is a useful um, circuit breaker for um, things like cancer cells. But um, and, and there's been a lot of research on that just to double-check and, and confirm that um, Astragalus doesn't have that effect of, of perhaps increasing your risk of cancer, but the, 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 it's quite clear now that uh, it has health benefits. And by extending telomeres, um, you're actually uh, having quite a significant health benefit on your cells. Okay. Uh, sirtuins, uh, you know, and I'm thinking in particular of uh, resveratrol. Uh, David Sinclair, one of the world's foremost anti-aging researchers, uh, staked a claim to uh, the IP surrounding uh, resveratrol and uh, made a big bet with, I think it was uh, GlaxoSmithKline. That's right. Which uh, didn't really pan out because they were going to develop synthetic uh, resveratrol analogs uh, to address a variety of neurodegenerative problems and uh, to be, you know, the ultimate anti-aging pill. 
uh, didn't pan it's, out. But do you still believe that uh, you know, dietary um, uh, compounds like uh, resveratrol have potential to support sirtuins? Hundred percent. I think um, you know one of the the challenges in the past has been that we've been looking for one single switch, and uh, we're just not one kind of switch. You know, animals we've got multiple. So I like to take the like the wholesale approach and and look at it holistically and say, okay, well, you know, wh- what do we need where and, and when? And so absolutely, these health benefits that uh, research shows um, that um, resveratrol and, and it's. Um, Younger, um, perhaps more effective brother, maybe uh, terastilbene, which is a just a more bioavailable uh, form of of resveratrol. Um, and, and so, look, there is a lot of research showing these products have health benefit um, when taken in conjunction with a good diet and exercise. So, you know, absolutely a proponent of, of that molecule. Um, and you only really need to look at David Sinclair and and, uh, and see, you know, he, he's he's looking fantastic for his age. Um, his his regimen of uh, ter- of uh, resveratrol and um, nicotinamide mononucleotide um, is 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 really giving us pretty good insight. Is an N equals one study of taking those compounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, next on the lightning round, so, Fisetin. So, so, hello. So, so Fisetin, yeah. Fisetin, yeah, something that Fisetin. you know we we not too many of us have heard about, uh, but it's present in a lot of fruits and vegetables, evidently. Yeah, it is. Um, strawberries is where uh, where it's most um, prevalent, but um, it is, and it's a, in a probably a flavonoid um, which is a present in, in many foods. Um, it turns out that fisetin um, is a, a natural senolytic, and so uh, it just supports the body from with a, by identifying these the senescent cells and um, and helps trigger processes that remove them. So I'm a big proponent of fisetin or fisetin. Um, if you go and do a little bit of research, there's huge um, evidence of um, significant benefits around brain health um, and also um, some really interesting research around um, helping with immunosenescence. And there may be some research coming soon just showing that um, if we can help um, lower the burden of senescent cells in our immune system, that that may have a uh, beneficial effect on people who are, are suffering from COVID, especially those old, older adults that mm-hmm. um, have a yep. recent burden. Um, so watch this space. Yeah. Uh, and finally, EGCG, you know, the, the, you know, the active ingredient in green tea. Yeah, absolutely. Again, just uh, you only do need to do a quick Google search on the amount of um, research on this molecule to see it's got um, you know, effective anti-cancer functions as well as just a, a myriad of, of health benefits. Um, so that's again, it's a, a, a just an important molecule in an overall um, strategy of, of 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 understanding the nine hallmarks of aging and addressing and targeting molecules to to each of them. Is, is part of a healthy aging strategy. Okay. Well, you know, bottom line, uh, you know, it looks like uh, we've got a lot of promising uh, strategies to forestall the aging process itself. Uh, aging is not something to uh, be uh, uh, feared. Uh, it's something to be embraced. That's the message of this book, uh, which is uh, harnessing the nine hallmarks of aging. Out uh, just last month, uh, the author, Greg McPherson, and Greg, do you, is there a website where people can learn more? Yeah, so the book is on Amazon.com, um, harnessing the 
nine hallmarks of aging and um, we also have a website called the, the same harnessing the nine hallmarks of aging.com but if someone just wants to google nine hallmarks of aging and greg mcpherson you should be able to find me great well uh thank you very much uh enjoy the fall down there in new zealand and uh have a nice friday even though it's thursday where i am <laughs> thank, thanks ron it's been um, great to have the opportunity to talk with you yeah i've really enjoyed it uh, the book is great Go out and get it, and you'll become uh, very erudite on the subject of uh, anti-aging research. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary, at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile friendly site, it's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant, and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. That's drhoffmanstore.com, drhoffmanstore.com.